0: Hi, welcome to another edition of Project Forty Five podcast. I'm your host Jack. I'm here with my co-host Michael. Uh, we're going to bring with you today some of uh, the greatest headlines of this week. Uh, we're going to start off uh, with our trip to DC for the Independence Day, Fourth of July, the so-called military parade that did not happen.
1: Trump of July. Trump, of July. <laughs> Trump of July. The Trump of July.
0: Yeah. So for all the, the triggered liberals that were up in arms about the the celebration of the birth of this country, uh, we were there live to experience it firsthand. Probably one of the greatest trips that we've had to DC in oh, the, what definitely. the last four years that we've been going there. And all the, Day. the
1: fake news and the fake Facebook um, news that the tanks were rolling in on the trains for Trumps. Military parade, which never happened. Yeah, so uh, we'll get into
0: that. We're going to get into uh, the crisis on the border that it seems to never be ending. Uh, Comments by Ocasio-Cortez, the spur between uh, Ocasio, uh, I can't even say Omar, and... Proceeded to leave? Sure, yeah, I can't even say it, so... uh, her and President Trump and all the things that are going on. we got ice rates going on this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, that's something we're going to talk about. So, uh, Which should have been going on for a long time. Should have been going on for a long time. Um, So our trip to D.C., uh, 4th of July, uh, the birth of this nation. Trump promised a spectacular fireworks display. I think he delivered on that. Definitely delivered. Uh, like I said, we've been going for, what, the last four years? Since
1: 2017. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so since 2017, we've been going to the fireworks display uh, there in DC, and by far this is probably the greatest uh, show that they had. It was almost panoramic.
1: It was. I would
0: breathtaking. Panoramic, yeah. um, mainstream media is probably going to sit there and tell you nobody showed up. The protests were, you know, outnumbered the people. But I've never seen uh, since the inauguration. I've probably not seen an outpouring of Trump supporters descending upon DC as I did um, with the Independence Day. I mean, we met a lot of interesting people, um, a, a diverse crowd. We hung very out. Diverse. Yeah, actually a very diverse crowd. I would say so. Uh, I had the privilege of being there for the inauguration. Um, I would say that the crowd has grown more diverse, I, th- I think which is a, a strong indicator of where we're headed into the 2020 election. I uh, like I said, the fireworks were were spectacular. Uh, you know, Trump gave a, a, a wonderful address. Uh, the military flyover—if that w- didn't make you feel, you know, patriotic or you know, great to be an American—I don't know what what can.
1: I'll just say this: the uh, stealth bomber looks like a spaceship, and everybody that that reports to seeing a triangle spaceship—they've seen a stealth bomber. I'm convinced. <laughs>
0: So Michael, We never me.
1: went to the moon, and the stealth bomber is the spaceship. We've never went to the moon, and the stealth... <laughs>
0: there you have it, breaking news by Michael. We've never been to the moon, and if you've seen a spaceship, it's the, it's stealth, the stealth bomber. bomber. Um, so, but yeah, we met some uh, uh, a very diverse group of people. We had the privilege of hanging out with some of our favorites, Suzanne Monk. Suzanne Monk. Uh, she's one yeah. of our favorites up there. What Trump talk. Yeah, Trump talk live. Be able to uh, live, yeah. take that, check that out on Facebook. Uh, Suzanne Monk, M O N K. That's how you spell her last name. Uh, super nice lady. Always a pleasure to see her when we're there.
1: In the no VIP.
0: In the no VIP. If yeah. you need to, if you need to get in the face of liberalism in Washington D.C., Suzanne knows how to do it, and, yeah. and she news, she does it with a with a. With a uh, with extra class pa- with class style. and style and an extra packet of salt to rub in your wound <laughs> in her back pocket. Um, so we we got to hang out with her. Uh, we got to go to the freedom uh, the demand free speech rally, which was interesting. Uh, so I mean, we met people from a lot of people from California. A lot of people. A lot of people from California. People from California. Uh, they were upset with the thing, the way things are going in in California. Uh, San Francisco has become a shithole. Uh, figuratively, figuratively and literally you mm-hmm. said earlier when we, were, when we were talking, uh, now you can poop on the side of the streets in San Francisco and apparently it's, it's okay. You can now set up residence on a sidewalk in Austin, Texas and it's okay. It's all right. Uh, you know, nobody learned anything from Los Angeles and the miles and miles of homelessness that are going out there. So we got to talk to a lot of people uh... from california that came out to see trump and uh... the trump of july uh... we met a lot of people at, at Harry's. It was always a great place to oh, go hang out in dc of harry's as a, a blast thank you to dc's finance for protecting uh, the d- demand free speech rally uh, harry's when people were conjugating from antifa uh, i will have to say the 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 showing of antifa was pretty weak
1: well they're not being funded I mean, that's the whole point. That's what it comes down to, is when there are no paid activists, what are you left with? You're left with the fat, lethargic, no job. uh,
0: Scrony kids.
1: Scrony kids living in their grandma's basement who don't have anything better to do with their life, and they really buy into this anti-fascist ideology. So when it's not being funded, you lose the muscle and you get the, the fat that's left over. And I think that's what we saw mostly from the Antifa. They weren't really violent. I mean, they were, they were there. There was a presence, but there was no, there was no real violence. They were easily subdued. I think that we saw. We well, they were.
0: I mean, easily a bag of Cheetos left. You know. Yeah. You know, un unoccupied on the side of the street would have probably subdued Antifa. I mean, this is how disgustingly fat these people were. Yeah. Uh, dressed in all black in July in DC, hot, humid. Probably not a good, probably not a good fashion choice for DC oh, that yeah. time of year. Especially when you're 200 pounds and you live in your mama's basement and no one loves you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <I> mean,
0: that's, <laughs> that's basically what they become. I yeah. mean, and maybe I'm am sure in 2020 they'll they'll be out in full force when George Soros and well, all, the people, yeah, 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 all the people, board, yeah, all people fund them. They're not being funded now, so they're 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 very impotent group. I mean, they've been been reduced to coming over and and getting the one or two people all fired up and and pissed off and create a crowd and get the cameras on them. And what we've learned from our experience is if you turn around and you walk away and you go about your business and you do what you're there to do, represent America, support America, support our president, and you don't give them the attention, you don't turn the cameras and the phones on them, the microphones on those guys. You have took away all of their power. You have took away the whole purpose of them to be there, and that is likes, clicks, shares, retweets, whatever.
1: Sensationalization. Yes. I mean, that's what it,
0: That's what they want. That's what yeah. they're after. Well, so, wait, I
1: mean, the whole, there was no acid, there were no acid attacks. There was no hint of an acid attack. No,
0: those were overblown. I mean, every time these people have an event, demand free speech or, or whatever, there's always, oh, my God, Antifa's going to show up and do this. They threaten this. They, and it never happens. It's sensationalized on both sides, if you ask me. It's, it's, yeah. it's, Oh, we're 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 doing this great thing for America for Trump, and how dare you threaten us? But they they over sensationalize, and I think in in the end they actually hurt their tenants because you got people turned off by the fact that these things are are happening. And I understand there's a there's or a there fine line threatened, threatened. Yeah. threaten, threaten, right. And there's a fine line between, you know, informing people like you know we, we've we've been informed that there could be acid attacks, but when certain people get on Twitter and they start to sensationalize the fact that they're going to be under attack so that they, they feel you know, people can click on their, their pages or like them more or share their content more for the simple fact of you know, dramatization of what's going on, then you real Americans get disenfranchised from wanting to attend. You know they're not going to take their families to events like that. If you've got credible sources, you've got credible uh, history of attack, I can understand it. You know, I can understand being proactive rather than reactive, but a lot of these people are there for the likes, the clicks, and the shares, and that's what they're they're about. They're they're egotistical, narcissistic people uh, that are up there trying to say, "Oh wow, look at me, look what I'm doing," and really they're becoming the people that they're sitting there talking about. Yeah. Um. So uh, back to the down the earth people we met we met people from right here in Tennessee that yeah. we were able to hang out with a lovely family that a lovely family from up there uh, that we met that was actually from here in Tennessee small world uh, they had an absolute blast uh, they a lot of people like them made last minute uh, plans to come yeah. to D.C. to be a part of this thing and I guess we'll start with the parade we went to the parade first thing in, the, in during our day. Uh, the media told you this was going to be a military parade. That there's going to be, you know, military and tanks and armored personnel vehicles and all these these mis- weaponry and machinery going. Uh, North Korea. Yeah, North Korea <laughs> going down. You know, Kim Jong Un in in the likeness of Trump was going to come down Constitution Avenue, and that was going to be the Ind- Independence Day parade. And that simply was not the case.
1: Well, I was very disappointed that that was not the case. That's what I would really was expecting when we went up there was, uh, this big audacious display of military might for the parade. And it just didn't happen. It was just, uh, it was just a typical, uh, you know, parade. It, they had high school marching bands. It was, uh, military marching bands. There were, you know, floats and, uh, flag carriers and nations were represented, which I thought was fantastic because, you know, even though we're we're gonna talk about immigration later, but the real truth about America is that this is a cliche from the left, you know, and they love to throw this out here, but I'll throw this out here with some realistic background, is that they love to say that we are a nation of immigrants. And you know, that is true. And the sad thing about the left is a lot of the some of the things that they say are actually true, but they put a spin on it that is not true. Um, we are a nation of immigrants. Everybody that's here, uh, minus the Native Americans. Sorry, um, Pocahontas. Pocahontas, you're not a Native American. F.Y.I.
0: Not a Native DNA American. they
1: proved you were not a Native American?
0: One one million two twenty four. <laughs> yeah. yeah so sorry it doesn't
1: doesn't matter that your grandma walked by pocahontas she is not (laughs) no she is not pocahontas um but uh the only people that we can actually say that are not immigrants real realistically are the native americans but everybody else here you know we can do our background history we're german we're english we're irish we're uh african descent we're uh, Caribbean islands, South American, Portuguese, Spanish, uh, you name it. We've immigrated, people have immigrated from all over the world, to the United States. So in actuality, what the left claims that the United States is a, uh, nation of immigrants is actually true. Um, and I was glad to see that there were representation from nations, you know, Korea was represented, right. China was represented, um, uh, other Asian countries that I can't uh, identify, honestly. Um, Sikh religion, which is a minority religion in India. Um, Hindu uh, Indians were represented in the parade, which I think that's all great and wonderful because we are, in actuality, um, you know, I think about that just like a, there would be a Scottish bagpipes Brigade or whatever in a parade it's very it's the same thing as that we are a nation of immigrants because people have immigrated from all over the world to the United States because it is the greatest nation on the face of the earth there's no other nation with the freedom that we have here and there's a reason that all of these people from all over the world want to be here and that is because we are the greatest and all of these people who said that America is never great, has never been great, or to make America great again, you have to have been great to begin with. Um, I think you put your foot in your mouth when you say that, and then you turn around and talk about, we should open the borders. Well, why are all these people wanting to come here if America's not great? Well, right. there's, There obviously is a great opportunity in America for all these people to have wanted to come here. So I think it was a uh, I think it was a nod to the diversity of America to uh, have these different nations represented in our independent state parade because we are uh, a nation made up of immigrants from England, Ireland, Scotland, um, all over Europe, Eastern Europe, Jewish, European Jews, Middle Eastern, uh, Persians, everything. We are the, We are a nation. And I think we should celebrate that on our Independence Day because the immigrants actually initiated Independence Day. Mm -hmm. George Washington was an immigrant. Right. He immigrated from Europe to the United States. All of our quote unquote founding fathers were immigrants. And these are the great men that initiated uh, our independence. So to celebrate the fact that we are a nation of immigrants, we are a nation of transplants, is a great and wonderful thing, and it makes me feel patriotic. You know, I get, every time we go, every time I've gone to DC, on the 4th of July, I get emotional, because I'm so proud to be an American. I'm so thankful, because I've traveled to other parts of the world, and I and experiencing that, Living here in America on a day-to-day basis, no matter how hard it is or how silly things get in our government, I'm still proud to be an American because there's no greater nation than the United States of America. That's
0: true. Uh, you you talked about us, you know, the left's um, argument that we've you know we've never been great. Uh, America's never been a great country or whatever. And, and you know, I have to I have to disagree with that as well because in what other country could those people have the right to say and do what they're doing the right to be active in their government the right to change and pursue laws uh ideologies in this country what other country do you have that absolute right to go do those things yes america's great i'm not going to say that america's perfect because we're not perfect then we're not no perfect nation, none not exactly. no nation. no nation is perfect we We talked about how nations, the conquering of nations, is a part of of history throughout, worldwide. So you can't just take America and demonize America America because you have to demonize the whole world. Because the whole world was about conquering uh, societies and cultures and people, you know, different people. But America, since its birth, has afforded people the right to stand up, say what they want to say, do what they want to do, and change and fight government. And you can't take these same arguments that these people are applying today and go to any other Middle Eastern country, South American country, and apply that same principle, and you're not going to have those same rights. So to sit here and say America's not a great country, then I I say take the president's advice and go back to wherever you should be from or wherever you think you want to implement that culture from and go try that crap over there, and you tell me how it goes for you. Go down to Mexico and try to change it. Go down there to Mexico and try to challenge the drug cartel. Go to Guatemala. Go to the go Middle to, East. Go to the Middle East and try to fight for women's rights over there, for equality, equal pay. And you tell me how that works out for you. America is the greatest country in a, in the world. And to downplay that, to denigrate that, you you are not an American, if you ask me. I agree. We can have disagreements, and we can... We can and we've even discussed this in previous, that we've talked to the opposition, we've talked to Antifa people, and we all want the same thing. We may differ how we get there, but when you sit there and demonize each other and sit here and say, America's not this, you don't want America to exist anymore. And I think that shows with what we've seen with these immigration battles this weekend, uh, with uh, Aurora, Colorado, I believe it was, where the, the protesters took down the American flag, threw it on the ground from the flagpole outside of an ice detention center or a headquarters or whatever, and then put up the Mexican flag. Go to down say, to Mexico. in Aurora? Yeah.
1: They're shooting. I mean, they're shooting in the... What's the in the water ago. out there? What's in the water in
0: Aurora? Surely it's not that Rocky Mountain High that they're getting. Uh,
1: surely not. Anyway, that's just a side note. Side note. Uh, the, just coincidentally, there was a shooting, a mass shooting in a... Movie theater in Aurora, Colorado, and they just happened to attack an ICE detention center in Aurora, Colorado. No, no, that's not, a, those are not coincidences. That, that's not a coincidence. Why are these things happening in a city? But that's, I'm a conspiracy theorist, we won't get into that anyway.
0: Yeah, go ahead, Jack. Uh, <laughs> so just uh, so we went to the parade, there was no military. Uh, well, there was military. I mean, the typical military no, that, that yeah. any other representation. city. There was a representation. Right, a representation of places. military. Yeah. The five, the Colonial Fife Band the was there. was fantastic. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen those, that's a, that's a great, uh, spectacular feat to watch. Yeah. But, I mean, Drums that parade, farmers. you take that parade and put it in any mainstream American city, Kansas, Iowa, Tennessee, Georgia, Texas, wherever, that parade looked like it was any other down-home parade. There was nothing militaristic about it. There was nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, Michael even said there were were different cultures, different nations, different religions represented. Uh, So, that's all complete lies to get everybody angry and upset and to hate Trump even more. And it wasn't. Even Trump's uh, speech that night... We shouldn't
1: talk about Trump's speech because we were about halfway down the reflecting pool. And... um, When Trump spoke, there were speakers, you know, they had speakers stationed everywhere down the reflecting pool. When Trump got up to speak, before he got up to speak, you could hear everything.
0: All the music. All
1: the music, you could hear everything. But when Trump got up to speak, you could not hear his speech from where we were halfway down the mall. Right. But after that, there was a a show with... I can't Antonio Sabato Jr. or somebody yeah, some, posted it. I don't remember who it was. Some celebrity, but there was music and things like that. You could hear everything that they sang, everything that they said. But during Trump's speech, it was a struggle to hear. Yeah, they they deliberately muted or turned down the volume or something for Trump's speech. I I honestly believe that the the city or whoever was responsible, deliberately attempted to sabotage Trump's speech.
0: Yeah, there was a clear there was a clear difference in the volume level of Trump's speeches uh, and then the, the music and the entertainment before and after the speech. Uh, we've been there for the last several years, too. We also noted that, you know, uh, a lot of times the food and beverage uh, around the park was open to the public, so, pe- you know, it was a very hot July day, so people can get, drinks and water and food and things like that all those were shut down there was no the city of DC shut water. all of the food and water access down to the people that attended that event and you can't tell me that wasn't a deliberate liberalism attack on the people that went to see the president speak and that's the kind of crap that goes on in America that's going to win Donald Trump get reelected in 2020 because people are absolutely sick and tired of the fact that you're gonna sit here and paint us into a box, call us these names, you're gonna go in here and pull cockamamie stunts like not providing, you know, audio or drinks or the common courtesy at, at events that you would any other uh, democratic event or whatever. People are people see through this, and people are sick and tired of having to deal with it. And the silent majority is no longer silent. We're pissed off. We're sick and tired of the direction that this country is going to, and that's why Trump's going to win in 2020. These Democrats, all 27,000 of them, or how many is <laughs> running for president now? I
1: think there's, I think it's, I think it's close to 30. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: yeah. uh, Sue Sewell or. So well well. So well well, he looks like he had a stroke yeah, well, on the left side. I don't know what's happening And there. then had a lot of cosmetic surgery. A lot of cosmetic surgery. The man the man looks like a plastic Ken Dahl ran for Congress in one election. But anyway, uh, so Trump's speech, it was still a good speech. Uh, the flyovers were very patriotic. The fireworks show was fantastic. It went on forever and ever and ever to the fact that people were like, "Okay, we're tired of winning, Mr. President. We need to go home."
1: It was I think it was. I think it I think uh the report that I saw it was the longest fireworks show on the Fourth of July in Washington D.C. history. It was, and it was fantastic. And it was fantastic. Like was I said, we
0: we met a lot of people there. Uh, we met a lot of people that evening. We made friends. We made new friends. We hung out with a lot of old friends. Uh, the Trump Unity Bridge was there. We had a chance to meet uh, the guy that was in charge of that, Rob Cordes, uh with the Trump Unity Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there. We got to meet him. We got to hang out at the Trump Hotel, which was always a good time at the Trump Hotel. And, folks, if you think that the Trump Hotel is some upscale, uh, and it, this is a southern term for this highfalutin yeah. facility that you ain't going to be able to get into, think again. Because we go in there with shorts and a t shirt, look like a bag of bone off the street, and they open the door and they say, Welcome to the Trump Hotel. And you walk right in there, and you get a drink, and you get something to eat, and they treat you just like family. And I think that is the most fantastic thing about that place, and I think that's telling about the President of the United States, because if that was the Obama Hotel, the George Bush Hotel, or the Bill Clinton Hotel, I guarantee you shorts and a t-shirt are not going to get you in. Maybe a ticket to Epstein Island will get you in the Clinton Hotel. But it's not going to get you, you know. It's not necessary at the Trump Hotel, which I think that's always fantastic. We always have a good yeah. time there, and
1: they treat you like a gentleman. Yeah, they treat you like a gentleman. They treat you like
0: a gentleman. Uh, fantastic food, fantastic drinks, fantastic everything. Those people are great people. So shout out to all the people that work at the Trump Hotel. Uh, really great group of people over there. Uh, so I mean, uh, we went to the man free speech rally. Uh, we saw Milo. Uh, Gavin McGinnis, the Proud Boys, um, mm-hmm. yeah. we, we had a chance to hang out with some of the Proud Boys and uh, get a feel for what they're like, and maybe that's a whole other different show we're not gonna get into. I don't know a whole lot about the Proud Boys, how they got to be the Proud Boys, but uh, we've had a few interactions with them lately, uh, a couple times in Atlanta, yeah, uh, D.C., um so it's an interesting, it's group. An interesting yeah. group of people uh we'll let you decide do your own research we'll go from there um we're not going to get into it on this show uh the biggest topic for the weekend michael is the ice raids uh immigration the crisis on the border still we're still dealing with that
1: oh is there a crisis on the border there,
0: there's now a crisis on sure? the border
1: is it manufactured
0: or is it a real crisis the the jury is still out because i thought depending I, on what day of the week okay. it is
1: Okay, so I, I feel like that the, the Democrats said it was a manufactured crisis on the border. But now all of a sudden, Ocasio-Cortez is in an empty parking lot at a chain link fence crying and saying it's a crisis. So I'm confused about whether it's a real crisis or whether it is a manufactured crisis. Because all of a sudden, I feel like that the Democrats have seen something that they can capitalize on at the border for political purposes, just like they did with the the Dreamers. I feel like several months ago, and uh, and now they're trying to capitalize and saying that there's a crisis, only because that there may or may not be some quote-unquote, inhumane treatment of individuals who were never um, were never forced to come here or are forced to stay here, which I find is very interesting. Um, I saw a meme the other day that I feel like is very telling of the situation on the border. It says, the meme said that individuals who are being detained at the border uh, facilities are not being forced or imprisoned there. They have the freedom to go back where they came from at any time. But of course we're being told that they're asylum seekers and they want asylum and blah 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 and now it's a crisis because it's overcrowded because we've let caravans of thousands and thousands of people crossed the border, uh, unhindered, and now the detention facilities are overcrowded. And, of course, if anybody knows, you know, I've been involved in law enforcement in one aspect, and Jack has been involved in law enforcement in a completely other aspect. But when you're in a county jail or a... a, uh, prison, those people are being held there against their will. They're being held there because they they cannot leave. But the people who are being held or detained at the border are there of their own free will. It was their own free will that brought them thousands of miles from Central America to the United States, very well knowing that when they got here that they were going to be detained. They weren't going to just be let loose into the United States which has been our policy for years and years and years that uh, if you come here you're you're detained and then you're turned loose into the United States to a way to coordinate but apparently that's not happening now And now suddenly that the Democrats can capitalize this capitalize on this politically it's suddenly a crisis even though it wasn't a crisis And didn't Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer stand? At a podium together. And oh yeah. Said there was no crisis. <laughs>
0: probably, probably, the most creepiest <laughs> dual press conference in the history of the United States. If that doesn't tell you that Jesus Christ is around the corner coming around, I don't know what oh, yeah. will. That look like that'll look like an apocalyptic couple right there. But I mean, yeah, we both been on each. We both been on different sides of the law enforcement perspective. You know, you more on the civilian side. I, you know, I've actually been involved in law enforcement for quite a while. Uh, and I believe both of us have experienced from the inside and the outside and we have the same story. I mean, you can go to any county jail today and they're, those inmates are going to walk in there with a microphone and a camera and they're going to tell you how deplorable it is. Uh, you know, we I don't we, have don't, we don't have toilet paper. We don't have running water. We don't get to eat. We don't get to go outside. You know, we don't get to do, They don't feed us. Story. They're mean to us. And, I mean, so you're going to go in there, and you're going to get what you want to get out of those, uh, oh, yeah. those uh, inmates. But you're right. I mean, those people are sitting here trying to sit here and say that they need uh, asylum when, in fact, that's not really the case. And, um, you know, we've manufactured. It wasn't a crisis. It is a crisis. Now it's a manufactured, it's a manufactured crisis. Now it's a real crisis. When it's a crisis all along. And this is not a crisis that belongs to Donald Trump. This is a crisis that belongs to Congress. People get pissed off at the fact. Republicans. Republicans. People people get pissed off, and we pointed this out in a lot of things. People get mad and so hell bent on the fact that Donald Trump is responsible for this and Donald Trump is responsible. Ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump does not make the laws of the United States of America. Congress makes the laws of the United States of America. So if you're pissed off, with something in this country, you're mad about the immigration system, you're mad about the detention facilities that are down there in Texas and along our border, then you should get pissed off at Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters and all these Democrats and all these Republicans that have been in here and been re-elected for the past 50 plus years who've done absolutely nothing to solve the problem. They want the problem to exist and they want these people to be detained and they want the issues to continue because they use you as a vote each election because they're living in their high-rise mansions and they're living in their cush, uh, plush mount, uh, uh, mansions with their walls around their, their homes and things like that. Mm-hmm. But they sure as hell going to sit here and tell you how bleeding hard and crying, oh my gosh, and 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 poor pitiful this and poor pitiful that when they have the ability to change the law at the stroke of a pen, the raising of a hand, a vote of a yay and a vote of a nay. But they don't do it because they need you to vote to keep them in power. And that's where we're wrong, and that's where we're the suckers, Democrat or Republican. You're a sucker for voting for these people over and over and over. Yeah. Maxine Waters is probably, and I like to call her the Raisinette, go back to the 1980s or 1990s, whatever, when we were kids, the California Raisin. She's one of the Raisinettes. Uh, she lives in one of the most shithole districts of California. Yeah, yeah, she's living high on a hog. And nobody questions how the hell she got living high on the hog when all the people voting for her lives in a shithole. And nobody cares. Nobody questions the fact that nothing has changed in Maxine Waters' district. But all the things they care about, that she can get up there and say the word impeach 50 times over and over and over and over. And that makes you feel good in your nice little apartment in New York City that makes you feel good and your nice little town home in San Fran and Los Angeles it makes you feel good because you hate the president because he's responsible for everything that's happened in America when in mm-hmm. fact the people that are you should be pissed off with are the people you go out there and vote for because they brainwashed you into believing they give a rat's rear end about anything that you believe in.
1: And I'll just say this the same Democrats the same Congress, the same Senate that are crying about the crisis at the border and the detention centers and they're not, they are not—they don't have fresh water and all blah, 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 and they're drinking out of toilets and who, whatever nonsense that they've come up with, whatever lies that they've come up with to appeal to your emotions are the same ones that would not vote to fund these detention centers to give them a better quality of life. They would not vote to fund, to give more money, to improve the quality of life. So you're telling me the same ones that are crying about the, the, the deplorable situations, and they wouldn't vote to give more money, to fund it, to improve the situations. really care? No, they do not they care. Don't,
0: they don't care. And that's care. the problem. Even here in Tennessee, a, a bright red beacon of conservatism, we elect the same person. We got hey. Scott Desjardins is our congressman from Tennessee, uh, sit here and proclaimed his absolute... Uh,
1: the only time you hear anything about Scott Desjardins in Tennessee or in the media or anything else is at election time.
0: Election time. We don't hear from Either Scott Desjolles. We don't see Scott Desjolles. We don't hear from Scott Desjolais until it's time for the election. But we've got a doctor in Tennessee who's has his uh, numerous mistresses to have abortions and sit here and opposes abortion. He's go a out Republican. and a Republican, a Republican. He's a Republican. Goes out here and he wants people to believe that he's absolutely against abortion when he can't even define when the life of a child begins, and that's on record where he ref- he refuses uh, to state where uh, life begins. Uh, you know, uh, And he's a doctor. He's a medical doctor. He won't even tell you where life begins. But then he goes out here and has several mistresses, and then he sits here and asks them to have abortions. And we go and elect these people. And we elect them over and over and over again. And right here why, in Tennessee. Do
1: you know why in Tennessee? Because they have an R beside their name.
0: An R. An R. And anybody who challenges him, because there's been challengers, and, and I've worked for some of those challengers, and I, they've had their flaws, and i pointed out their, their flaws. But, you know, the one thing I told the challengers is it's hard to compete against the incumbent of Congress because they've gained so much wealth and power that it's hard for Joe Blow citizen to go out there and win an election. And that's across America that it's hard for Joe Blow to go challenge a Maxine Waters, and a Chuck Schumer and a Nancy Pelosi who are going out there and winning in their district with 85, 90% of the vote. And we said this before, and we'll say it again. Those are Stalin-like numbers where you go out there and win your your congressional district with 80, 95% of the vote against somebody. That's Putin numbers. That's Putin numbers. That's your Russian collusion. That's your Russian collusion. That's Putin numbers.
1: In, in In Maxine Waters' own terms, it's Putin.
0: It's Putin. Putin, Putin, Putin. Impeach, Putin. impeach, impeach, impeach. Putin. So, the woman is don't like... Don't
1: impeach Putin, but... Putin. Yeah, don't... Putin's good. Well, yeah, Impeach... Well, impeach. impeach... Putin's good,
0: Putin... Yes. Putin... I mean, unless you're at a dinner party, then Putin is not good. <laughs> Y'all Southerners will get that. Yeah, Y'all know they'll, what they'll that means. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I think we lost a little bit of our track here, yeah, but exactly. I mean... Like we said, we go back to the law enforcement aspect. I've been in law enforcement. I am in law enforcement. You've worked with law enforcement agencies, and and you've seen this, and you've witnessed what I've said. Oh yeah, absolutely. you've got to witness yeah. it. So I'm not yeah. a liar. Um, but I mean, when you go out here, uh, I think we had an argument earlier on Facebook with uh, a Democrat for Reform. Uh, look at look at the Democrat on for Reform on Facebook. Um, she's she tries to argue or whoever this person is he or she argues with me that uh you know oh poor poor pitiful uh immigrants uh in the detention facilities down in mexico uh they're they're drinking out of their toilet uh they don't have air conditioning you know a, a litany of, of issues when i question them on this you know or well, why are they drinking out of toilets you know uh, she's like oh well it, not necessarily drinking out of toilets but you know, reporters uh, backed up the claim that um, uh, there was no running water coming from the water fountain. I said, okay, well, well, wa- running water not coming from the from the water fountain and being forced. The keyword is forced to drink out of the toilet are two different things. So you're not you're not really substantiating your claim that these people were forced. Keyword is forced to drink out of the toilet. I mean, they're not forced to drink out of the toilet. And I'm pretty sure that none of those caravans. That I'm sure. I'm sure none of those migrants came here in an air-conditioned caravan. No. And did you, you say she said
1: something about air conditioning. Oh
0: yeah, they didn't have air conditioning. i like, okay, yeah. I grew up with no air conditioning in the so south. Did. I also did. Too. In the south, where the humidity is like a thousand percent, we grew up with no air conditioning. Me and Michael both, no air conditioning, yeah. and this is something you just deal with. We, we do. We go out here all the time. We work outside. Uh, you work outside a lot in the yard. Yeah. Uh, you know, If you're a Southerner, you know what I'm talking about. I work outside of my job with, with a lot of added equipment on top of me. Humidity. It's 90% humidity. It's 95 degrees outside. It feels like 105. I mean, you instantly go outside and your are like, Don't give me this, oh, they don't have air conditioning. And I'll
1: say, there's man,
0: Americans that don't have air conditioning in Tennessee been. and in the South, and you're worried about some immigrant that chose to make some journey up here knowing I'm sure they didn't arrive here in a caravan from a 1,000 miles in an air-conditioned caravan.
1: Well, they may have because I saw news, news uh, video of them being loaded into backs of uh, tractor-trailers and things like that and trucked up
0: here. I mean, that just didn't happen, didn't it? How convenient that a tractor-trailer is going to pick you
1: up. I want to know who's paying for that or who's following with all the food and everything like that. But anyways, I've traveled. I've been to Singapore, I've been to Indonesia, I've been to Brazil, and I can tell you, my time in Brazil, the richest of the rich do not have air conditioning. So I cannot imagine that the most people in Mexico or Honduras or uh, Guatemala, I can't imagine that those people have air conditioning. So not to be heartless, but I, Feel that they're used to a hot climate with no air conditioning, because so, Brazil is hot.
0: So you said you went to Brazil. Yeah. Uh, you spent how long there?
1: Oh, I've been to Brazil four times.
0: So four times.
1: Four times. Uh, in four times, I've probably spent three months there. And you ministered to people yeah. while you're there. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So I would say you probably ministered for you know probably the lower class, middle class, for well, the most for I, the most we, part.
1: We reached all classes. We ministered in Rio de Janeiro, which is uh, the rich people in downtown Rio, uh, on the coast Copacabana, we also were in the, because Rio is a state and a city, so we were also in the, in the uh, different little uh, the, surrounding towns. You know, the surrounding towns in Rio, out in the state of Rio um, and we were ministering to wealthy people, we were ministering to middle class people We're also ministering to people who lived in, you know, tin and wood shacks that you had to walk over a a two-by-four plank over a sewage ditch to get to their house. I mean, you know, these people, even the wealthiest of the wealthy, the middle class, even the ones who lived in high-rise apartments uh, near downtown Rio, did not have air conditioning. They had open, their kitchen were open walls onto their balconies. Uh, Most people in Brazil live behind walled homes. If you're a middle class person in Brazil, you live behind a wall. Let let that sink in. Live behind a wall. wall. Most of them have broken glass or rebar or something on the top of them. It's very medieval, so that uh, marauders. or like uh, that's the only thing I can think of in Brazil that that would even qualify it term to qualify for these people as marauders so that you don't have a marauder climbing over your wall and robbing your home or murdering you or kidnapping you or whatever but most people in Brazil live behind gated homes
0: very interesting walls. very interesting yeah um, so I mean walls work uh, walls are necessary
1: obviously.
0: And and we'll go back to the we'll go back to what we said earlier when you talked about we are a nation of immigrants and we're not going to sit there and deny the fact that we're a nation of immigrants. I mean we are, um, but America throughout the course of its history has become a very uh, defined nation, uh, a nation that I think me and you truly believe is founded on Christianity, uh, the belief in God, uh, certain. Uh, certain morals, certain values, standards. uh, There's a lot of people that are having access to this country now that do not just want to assimilate to America. It's not a racist fact to talk about this, that each country, Germany, England, Russia, France, Middle East, they each have their own culture. They each have their own identity. Now, if I went to Iran and I influxed a lot of Americans to Iran and I demanded that we build a McDonald's on every corner, a Kentucky Fried Chicken on every corner, a Walmart on every corner, and that you de- that you love Jesus Christ and that Muslim uh... ism or whatever is, is immoral, is wrong. At what point is Iran Iran anymore? At what point does Iran become America? Yeah. And that's the same concept as it is here. You know, America believes in certain values, certain religious beliefs, certain cultural beliefs. And I'm all for people coming to this country legally. I'm all for experiencing different cultures. That's one of the things that me and you enjoy doing uh, is meeting new people of different, I mean, even in America. You go out west, you go up north, you go up south. We're all different. different. You know, sweet tea. You can't find sweet tea yeah. up north, and God north help us Kentucky. all north of Kentucky. You will not find sweet tea, and may yeah. you all burn in a slow, deep hell <laughs> for not having sweet tea in the north.
1: You better order iced tea. Too. You better get iced tea. You iced tea. They're not
0: gonna bring. It. But anyway, even in America, we have our own cultures in America, different parts of America. But if I sit here and say, "Welcome, everyone. We have no border. We have no immigration system. You do not have to assimilate and." I keep importing uh, Middle Easterners. We'll just use them as an example because they're in right. the forefront. So I keep uh, importing Middle Easterners, and I keep importing Muslim faith, and I keep importing all those people. And then the next thing you know, they're they're in charge, and they say no more Christianity, entity, no more McDonald's, no more Kentucky Fried Chicken, no more Little League baseball, no more no more football on Sundays. You will adhere to Sharia law. You are here to Muslim culture, Muslim religious beliefs. When does that stop and when does America not become America cuz you can sit here and disguise all that in this feel good welcoming arms all these poor people escaping this and escaping that and blah blah and this and that and that is fine if you want to help somebody but when you got americans veterans americans children women men sleeping on the streets for miles and miles in los angeles in in, in america in, in cities across America, right here in Tennessee, Chattanooga, Nashville, Knoxville, Memphis, uh, even here in a small town where we live in, there's homeless people living on the streets. And we don't give a rat's ass about those people. And we're worried about some immigrants who decided to make a, a, a run for the border up here because they're too chicken shit to stand up in their own countries and deal with their own problems like America did. America faced oppression by the British. American faced religious oppression and and uh, uh, murders and sacrilegious events and things like that. We stood up for what we believed in and we changed the principle of America. Change the principle of your own country before you come up here and tell us that we must give you what you need and we must adhere to your values, we must adhere to your religions, and we must adhere to your cultural beliefs because that is you systematically taking over the United States of America and I, will, I, I one, will not stand for it. and That's why we do this podcast yeah. is nothing i'm not trying to force my belief on you you can disagree with me all you want that's america and that's the one good thing about america that we can disagree and you can go to sleep at night and you don't have to worry about your door getting kicked in and say you don't agree with the state and the state is mad and the state is pissed off and the state is going to drag you in the street and kill you because you have a different opinion but what we are trying to occur is to think differently you don't open your front door every day and let anybody come off the street and live in your house you don't do it and if you do do it call us and let us know how the hell that went for you when you're living and you let some stranger live in your street come in your house unabated and do whatever the hell they want to do and you tell me how nice and and comfortable you sleep at night because it don't happen it does not happen and the concept is the same in america the borders is the same as your front door you watch and you make sure who Hela comes on your property and who comes in your house every day and you make sure that your family's safe and that your values and your religion and your family is safe every single day. And that's what the United, that is what the president is doing and that is what his obligation to America is, is to make sure we're safe each and every day and that the people knocking on our door are not here to harm us.
1: I agree. And I think the key word that you used there was assimilation. Um, and the people that are coming here, uh, forgive me, I'm, I'm going to talk slow because I'm trying to get the definition for assimilation.
0: Um. While he's looking at the, the definition of assimilation, I mean, think about it. You don't open your door every night. And you don't open your door to people and you let them come in your home you, you don't you don't let your neighbor come over and live in your house and say, I'm going to work my 9-to-5 job in the factory or in the mill or at the retail shop or McDonald's. I'm not going to go work that 9-to-5 job. I'm going to make whatever wage you're making, $10, $11, $12 an hour. And I'm going to say, hey, you come live in my house. I'm going to work the same job with the same hours, and I'm going to feed your face too. You can use my water. You can use my electricity. You can eat my food, and everything's going to be fine. And then you let the next person come in, and the next person come in, and the next person come in. And you and your husband are working the same job, making the same pay, working the same hours, trying to make ends meet. And all of a sudden, you've got 20 people living in your house, using your water, using your water, using your health care, eating your food, using your resources off your income. And you tell me how long you last. And there's no big difference. It's simple, basic economics. The United States of America cannot sustain itself taking on the problems of everybody else. It is time for those people in their countries to step up, man up, grow a set of balls, and deal with the issues in their country. And if you can't deal with it in your country, then I'm sorry, and I'm not unsympathetic to the fact, but we simply cannot take on all the problems of the world if we want to be sustaining, because if at the end of the day the result is we become the shithole country from which these people came from because we can't sustain it.
1: And I think I think uh, the key word that he used was assimilation. So this is a definition of cultural assimilation is what we're talking about, cultural assimilation. It says here that it's Wikipedia, but, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a definition. It's what it is. Uh, is the process in which a minority group or culture comes to resemble, I think that's a key word right there, resemble a dominant group, or assume the values, behavior, and beliefs of another group. We're We're not advocating for a group to come here and completely abandon their culture, but you have to at some point, and especially Islam, and other cultures, uh, Central America, uh, and other cultures, they don't want to come here and assimilate, or culturally assimilate, which they take on the beliefs, the values, and the ideals of this nation. They want to come here and systematically change this nation to look like where they came from. But where they came from was so horrible, that they had to flee as a refugee, and they had to seek asylum. So let that sink in. You're fleeing a country where you're afraid for your life, but you want to come here and make this country exactly the same as the one you came from. Does that make sense at all? Zero sense. Zero
0: sense. Zero sense. So for the Omars and the... Rashid to- Yeah. God, I'm never going to be able to say her name. You'll never be able to say um, That's why you have For him. those two, that's why I have him. That's why he's my co-host, because he can say that, and I can't. For Omar and... They do not... They do for, not love America. No, they do not. They do not love America.
1: For... for I, I try to be as, as nice and gentle as I can, but I will not be nice, and I will not be gentle about Islam. Because... Muslims do not want to assimilate. They do not want to come here for a better life. The goal of Islam is to conquer. The goal of Islam is to come to America and make America an Islamic nation. And they will conquer it from the inside out. And unfortunately, we have imported enough of these ideological radicals, that we have created a voter base that will vote them into a legislative body of the federal government and give them a voice and give them power. We
0: have two members of Congress that have given them. We have like you said, we have given them power. We have given two women power in Congress and, and that, a voice. That,
1: that's, even an, that's even a. That's even a. I don't it. It's like an oxymoron to Islam that we have, that we are so intersexual. And I don't mean intersexual like sex. I mean, uh, inter. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? Sex. Yeah. Like yeah. Intersect. Yes. You know, your minority intersects another. In so you're gay, you're black, you're Hispanic, all at the same time, and it all intersects. So we have, we have given, they have power that they would not have in their home countries, because FYI, they're females, and females have no right in Islam. But in Islam, if that's what it takes, the intersection of their uh, femininity, their female, and their minority, that they have brown skin, and the intersection of their minority, that they're a Muslim, that that's what it takes to get them elected, and that's what it takes to implement Islamic ideology on a federal level, they will do it. Yeah. And we've
0: we've given these women a platform. Uh, I've traveled to Detroit, to the area where Omar uh, is from. Uh, You know, we're down here, everything's in English, but, I mean, if it wasn't, if there there was going to be a secondary language, it would be Spanish. But up there, uh, I was telling Michael that you know, there's street signs to the trains that are written in Arabic. There's you will drive through certain parts of Thank Canada you
1: Obama for importing thousands and thousands of Islamic
0: because uh, Obama hates America. Yeah, he hates Obama America. hated America. Obama is a Muslim, he hates, America, he hates America, and he's still out there undermining America as we speak. And if you think that Obama is a great black hope because he's the first black president, Obama is 50% white. And 50% black. And it just so happens that everybody got, behind, everybody got behind him because he's more black than he is white. If he was more white than he is black, would any of this be a question?
1: Well, he's not even black. He's African. He's African. He's Kenyan African. So that's not even the same as American black. Completely different.
0: So, well, I mean, if you look I, at. I will
1: say this about Obama he has brown skin. Exactly. And that's
0: all you need in today's that's Democratic all you Party. Need in today's democratic party you just need brown skin I mean look at Kamala Harris she's not even black yet she's out here claiming that she's black and if any Republican claim that you're black and you're not really black she's Indo Jamaican?
1: Yeah, she's Indo
0: Jamaican she's sitting here claiming that she's African-American when she's truly not and nobody questions that for her nobody calls her out for her racism or try to capitalism, uh, capitalize on someone's race are the, are the injustices this. of someone's race. She's out there trying to do it. Pocahontas oh, yeah. is out there trying to do it. She's trying to capitalize on American Indianism and the struggles of Native Americans and so forth, and nobody questions that. It's, oh, she's this, and she's bless her heart for this, and bless her heart for being a Democrat. Bullshit. Yeah. You've got the top four candidates for your party, and half of them are lying about their race, see, and you have. give them credibility?
1: We, have the, we you have, have the Irish. You have
0: the Irish old man.
1: Be- Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke. Robert, Robert Francis O'Rourke. Robert
0: Francis O'Rourke, will, who thinks I, he's I, a from Hispanic. This
1: point, from this point on, I refuse to call him Beto. He is Robert Francis O'Rourke.
0: Who is not Hispanic. Is
1: not Hispanic. Yeah. If you can speak Spanish, that doesn't make you Hispanic. No. Robert Francis O'Rourke, who claims he's Spanish or sympathizes with... with the Central American people, and his campaign when he was running for Senate? Yeah. Was he running for Senate? Senate. When he was running for Senate, uh, was caught uh, donating to the caravans, which is a scandal in and of itself that you appropriate. I think that's misappropriation. Oh,
0: yeah. Absolutely.
1: Um, So he misappropriated funds. Then we have whiter-than-white, high-cheekbones, Pocahontas, saying that she's American Indian. Then we have, uh, I was the little girl on the bus.
0: Um, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Who's not black. Who's
1: not black, saying that she's black. But hey,
0: her skin is close enough. Well, yeah. I mean, so why not brown, capitalize on it? She's brown, yeah. I, if I was black, and somebody was sitting here trying to, to capitalize on the struggles that the black people have went through through the 50s and the 60s and the civil rights area, and you, you're not black, I would be literally hissed
1: off.
0: Um, but yeah. But you're going to sit here and say, oh, I'm black because my skin and my hair look close enough for me to be black. How can you get credibility? And How do God you sit there and like give Diamond them credibility? Thank God for people like Diamond and Silk got their 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 head out of their ass
1: Yeah,
0: and are looking towards the future of America and realize, hey, the Democratic Party has put me on a perpetual plantation of, of uh, welfare. And, that's great that we we talked about this because yeah. one of my favorite people that I've, oh, yeah. I've been reading about lately has been uh, uh, Barry Goldwater, and a lot of people have well, he's a racist. He's a racist. My goodness, he's a racist. Well, in fact, he's not really a racist. He's more of a state right, rights person. Maybe you should do a little bit of your history uh, before you do that. But uh, reading one of his books, one of the one of the greatest quotes that he was he was really attuned to what was going on. Uh, then oh, we have to stop
1: right here say, um, Ross Perot passed. Yes, Ross Perot. Ross Perot. Ross Perot passed, who was Trump, 1990s Trump-ish, 1990s. I
0: remember, uh, the giant I re- sucking sound. The giant sucking sound. Larry, please, can I get a word in, Larry? <laughs> Larry! Uh, I remember uh, when I first like got into politics, 1992 I was 12 years old Uh, I liked Bill Clinton Uh, it was a young politician playing the saxophone it was something different it was something new but I also remember when Ross he's a a white Barack Obama but I remember when Ross Perot came on the scene and there was this guy challenging everything that was being said and he was saying things that my mom and dad were saying and I was like what well, who is this guy? And a little bit of me was like, wow, I kind of wish Ross Perot would win. And uh, he had a debacle candidacy in 92, and he tried again in 96, 92. I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, so, not, not as successful in 96 uh, as he was, but he was, in my time, the first uh, Trump of his time. And, you know, prayers go out to his family, and uh, a big thanks to what he did. In politics in, in, in those days. But you know, I want to read something from uh, a book I'm reading on uh, Barry Goldwater. Uh, who is not a racist but a staunch conservative. A true conservative. Uh, a man that really had some forethought to what's going on today in America. Uh, even though back in the 1950s and 1960s. He said for the past 25 years uh, the apostles of, of the welfare state some Republican, some Democrat, have been transferring, transforming that stern old gentleman with the top hat, the cutaway coat, the red, white, and blue trousers, with the symbol of dignity and freedom and justice for all men, into a national wet nurse, dispensing a cockeyed kind of patent medicine labeled something for nothing, passing out soothing syrup and rattles and pacifiers in return for grateful votes on Election Day. And that is exactly where we're at right now. That's where we're When know. you have people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer in the 90s on record, on film, talking about how immigration is wrong and immigrants are the downfall of the country and so on and so on and so on. And today they're standing up and, and going for uh, immigration as if these people are poor, pitiful uh, victims.
1: They're looking for a voter base
0: they're looking for a voter base and I mean go back and we've said for time and time before go back and look at um, what Trump has said throughout his year you can find Trump on many many uh, videos with Oprah many interviews uh, on News networks, and the man is saying the same exact thing he was saying in the 80s and the 90s he's saying that today and if you can find me one politician out there today that can go a week saying the same thing that they said last week then you email us at our uh email address the rfk or the uh, excuse me the project 45 uh gmail account hit us up on facebook if you can find any politician that's saying the same thing week to week to week let me know and i'm gonna be hard pressed to find that person because um, they're just not out there. And Trump has said the same thing over and over again consistently. And that's the one thing that gives me hope, that Trump Trump is a buffer between uh, the end of this country and what's going on in America. You know, Barry Goldwater has turned out to be a fascinating read for me. Uh, you should do a lot more history on this man. Uh, truly fascinating what this man foresaw. Uh, for Saul uh, back in the 50s and the 60s and I think it's just amazing what he's doing. But we're going back to the the crisis on the border and the things that are going on in the border it's it's just not happening ladies and gentlemen there's no way that we can import these people and it's you can call it racism if you want to and that's because you're gonna call it racism because you don't have a valid argument for it so your only argument is to call people names and try to make them feel bad and make them feel vulnerable about themselves and it's not gonna work for me it's not gonna work for michael it's not gonna work for the people that are fans of project forty five you can cry all you want to outside of parking lots of fake uh, detention centers and cages uh... you can argue with perfect makeup, with perfect makeup in a lunch. white suit that you shouldn't wear uh... in the summertime for ladies and gentlemen you should not wear white as your congress lady do not wear white White is a very racist color. White is a very racist color. Um, But don't go to the detention facilities and put on a show because you're trying to get votes. Ocasio-Cortez harped on the fact that she was a nobody from the Bronx who was a bartender, and now she's wearing... Multi million dollar, I wouldn't say multi million dollars. Probably a far fetched, but thousands suits that are worth thousands of dollars, living in in, in apartments in Washington D.C. that neither me, Michael, or you can afford. Yeah. And she's harping out socialism and harping out how she should be distributing resources. Somebody has got to distribute resources in a socialist country. Exactly. And those people are the people that are in power. And those people that are in power are going to make sure that they have the right amount of resources. To sustain their power. And the resources that are left over, if any, will be distributed amongst me and you. And the look on Michael's face, he's swimming at the mouth. He's got a little bit more on it. Well, that's
1: like, I mean, if that's like you think about uh, nationalized health care or single-payer health care, you're going to give your money to the government to pay for your health care. So you give your money to the government and then the government decides what they're gonna give back to you. The government decides what they're gonna what you're gonna to give to them and then they decide what they're gonna give back to you. And that's all fine and great if you have a cold or you have the flu and they give you a flu shot or you go to the clinic and you just need a simple peel or something like that. But when it comes to the point where you need a hip replacement, you need um, a uh, knee replacement, you need a major surgery, you have cancer, maybe you're not maybe you're not a viable citizen anymore. Death panels are real. Death panels uh, to determine your viability as a citizen or your longevity as a citizen. Maybe you're 65 years old, and you need a hip replacement. Maybe you're 65 years old and you have cancer that's in stage three. Maybe the government determines that you're not worth chemotherapy or any type of treatment. So guess what? You don't get it. You know what you get? To die. You get to die. You have no choice. You get to die. That's what single-payer her- single health care system really comes down to. You get to die. You have the government deciding what health care you get. They make it sound all fantastic and wonderful, like you're on a candy mountain with a unicorn and you're going to get all this free stuff from the government, which nothing is free, but the government is really going to decide what health care you get. You're not going to get free anything. You're going to pay for it in the long term. You're going to pay for it on a daily basis, and they're going to determine what care you get. Not you. They will. And
0: that's true. I mean, I I was talking to uh, you before about going to Canada, and um, you know, a a pack of Band-Aids in Canada is nearly ten dollars, and NyQuil is nearly twenty-two dollars. So if you think if you think thing is free, think again. Nothing's free. Because I don't wake up at any day in my life and go out into the public, and somebody says, "Hey, here's you a breakfast sandwich. Here's your lunch. Here's your dinner. Here's your gas. Here's your electric bill." It's free. And even if somebody said, hey, this sandwich is free, it's not free. Somebody somebody paid for that sandwich. Mm -hmm. If I stand in line and I say I'm paying for the guy's sandwich behind me, he thinks he's getting a free sandwich, but I worked for that sandwich, and it came out of my pocket. And that extra $5 on that lunch sandwich came out of my pocket. It came away from my family. It came away from my rent away from my gas money. So if you want to work and you want to give the United States government 70% plus of your tax money, then you sign up and you go ahead. Oh, But, they're but gonna I They're going to tax the rich. They're gonna the tax rich is gonna pay it money. doesn't stop at the rich. And that's yeah. why they, they tell you that they are
1: the rich. That's what They are say. the rich. They are the rich.
0: Ocasio-Cortez has become the rich. And nobody goes to Congress and lives on $30,000 a year like most Americans do. They never go to Congress and say, I'm going to live on $30,000 a year and the rest of this money, I'm going to give it to everybody else. That's bullshit. And they haven't gave it to anybody. Ocasio-Cortez is not giving the rest of her money to anybody else but her own pocket.
1: Her own pocket.
0: So if you think these people are going to sit there and take that extra income and turn around and give you free health care and everything's going to be fine and dandy, we're all going to be shitting rainbows out of our ass, you've got another thing coming. It's not happening. It's not happening. not happening. It's not happening. So, my question is you. Do you want to sit here and fight for liberty and fight for your justice? Because the government can't even pave a pothole outside your street, but you want them to have something as complex as national health care. And we've argued it before, the VA system is the first closest thing that the it's United States has to socialized medicine, and it's an absolute disaster. Yeah, And you want to give the government more power. And again, going back to Barry Goldwater, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but a government that is big enough to give you everything that you need is also a government that is big enough to take away everything that you have. So if you want to give Uncle Sam absolute control of everything, then Uncle Sam has absolute power to take it away from you without your say-so.
1: Yep. And that's not America.
0: That's not America.
1: America. That is not America. The founding
0: fathers of this United States never once envisioned socialism. So when you sit here and you tell me that Omar and Ocasio and
1: Rashida Tzilev
0: is all about America and they all love America. We should
1: make up fake names for them. Yeah. I don't even want to say their real names because then that gives them publicity, and that's what it's all about. You have to want. I to I would
0: give them. I would say Larry Moe and Curly, but I want. I don't want to. I don't want, to, de, I don't want to No, I don't want to degrade the Three Stooges because they have more intelligence than those two. Well, what
1: were the names of the, the uh, Dumb, three dumb, dumber. Amigos. I don't know. The
0: three Before my time.
1: What about the Three Musketeers? Do you I would, I like.
0: I like Three Musketeers, and I hate oh, to put crap. that stigma on the Three Musketeer bar. Our kudos to the Three Musketeer bars. Are not a sponsor, but yummy. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, I mean,
1: we ha- we will come up with names. We
0: will though. come up. We will come up with names, though. Uh, rock paper scissors. Rock paper scissors. We'll call them rock paper scissors. Rock paper and scissors. You lose yeah. either way you go. Uh, Hit us up on our Facebook page, The Project 45, on Facebook or at Twitter, at Project Underscore 45, and let us know what we should call the three amigos of Congress, the three anti-Americans of Congress. Anti-Americans, yeah. Um, Speaking of which, the ICE agency we were talking about earlier in Aurora, Colorado, I'm going to try to wrap this thing up here soon, took down the American flag outside the ICE detention, our headquarter facility in that area. And they put up the Mexican flag instead of the American flag, throwing the American flag onto the ground. Uh, and I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue this point whatsoever that you have the right to your freedom of speech. But when you take the American flag down from a flagpole and you put up a country that is a shithole like a Mexico, then you, as an individual, take your happy rear end back to over to Mexico or over to Mexico and try that shit over there and you tell me how that works out for you. Do not come to this country where people have died for the freedom of that flag, for that flag to fly high, and you disrespect it in a manner of such that you're going to put up some shithole country like Mexico in its place. You take your happy liberal ass and you park it back over across the southern border and you stay there. And you let me know how it goes for you when your family's raped and murdered because you don't want to deal heroin or cocaine across the United States border. But do not disrespect people that get up every day and put on a, a, a uniform of this nation, put on a, a police uniform or, a poli- or any uniform that served this country for that flag, for you have a freedom and you put up some shithole flag like Mexico in its place. Get the hell out of this country and you get the hell out of it quick.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you a story about Brazil that I experienced when I was in Brazil. We worked with a a church down there in a little community called La Pienza, which is, um, translation is the peace, or um, I think that's the translation, La Pienza, the peace. And uh, the pastor that we worked with in the church down there, he said when the church first moved in, that the community was controlled by drug lords, which is not... I mean it's not foreign to the United States because we watch the news every night in Nashville somebody gets shot or a car gets stolen or somebody gets stabbed or whatever but he said when they first moved in down there in this community in La Pienza that uh, he went to the church one morning and there was a dead body on the steps of the church and the drug cartels who controlled the community had murdered the person and dumped it on the steps of the church. And uh, he said he went on a crusade to fundamentally change that community. And at the point that we had come down there, he had fundamentally changed the community for the better. And I just leave you with that. That, that, that... Is the type of places that these people want to hoist the flag to say this country, Mexico or Guatemala or whatever, they want to hoist the flag in America and say this country has conquered America. No, I disagree. Uh, America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And the majority of communities in America don't experience this type of violence or the control of a drug cartel and I'll tell you I'll say this the majority of of areas in the United States that experience this kind of control of drug cartels and gangs and blah 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 are black projects where the gangs run the streets and it's generational poverty, and they all get a check from the government every single month. Exactly.
0: And I talked to a social worker, excuse me, a social worker from back home about this topic. Um, and she said that, you know, she spoke with my clients before, and they've said that, you know, why should I go get a job? You know, uh, welfare's worked for my parents and the parents before her, and they made it, so why should I go out and get a job that welfare is good enough for me? And, you know, and, and my parents, when we grew up, and I know yours, we've talked, yeah, our, yeah, our, right, our, we're very similar. Right uh, but, you know, I remember a time that my dad was out of work. Um, he had a neck injury. He served in the military. He had a neck injury in the military. He was out of work. And... My mom didn't work; she was a stay-at-home mom, and so my dad was the source of income. He was out of work for months. We didn't know how we were going to make it. We tried to sign up, sign up for food stamps. Um, you know, the, the amount of money that we were going to get was not even worth my parents back then. You had to go down to the to the food stamp office and pick up the food stamp check. Oh yeah, and the actual books, the actual stamps. books yeah. of stamps, and. She's like, this isn't. This isn't. Isn't even worth me trying to get a ride to go downtown to get these picked up. And we somehow managed to get through it. We eat mayonnaise sandwiches. We eat ketchup sandwiches. We 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 worked off the generosity of other family members. Um, I remember the sheriff's office brought us Christmas one time. You know, this is a guy. My dad was a guy that served his country. Uh, couldn't get any assistance back in the day. This is, you know, early nineties. Uh, we still struggle to this day with his benefits for the VA related to, uh, the injury that he had back in the day, but my family made it. My daddy never gave up. He never chose to be a victim. He worked through his injury. He worked through his pain. He still works today. I think he passed that on to me. I think your parents passed that on to you. Definitely. Yeah. I am very grateful that each one of us have a, a set of parents that instilled in us the value of work the value of patriotism the value of service to our community uh... me and you have have become uh... friends we become uh... we bonded over these years we both have different uh... we have similar ways in which we've grown up but we've also um have a different we have a different perspective on the way we can yeah. and I think you have a more you have a religious perspective yeah. and I have a more service perspective uh, when my dad being in the military um, I, I almost joined the military and he I remember my dad sat me down one day and he said son he said the military uh, is this this and this and it's done this for me and it's, done, it's not done that for me and he's like I want you to do a different path but I knew from my daddy and my admiration for him that I needed to serve my community or my country and I chose law enforcement um, you, you have a different path uh, our paths crossways, ways in, later on in life and uh, you, you came down a path that I did not expect you to come across and that was a religious uh, path that you have uh, turned on to me and made me realize. And I'm thankful for that, I'm grateful for that. And um, I think those two perspectives work well together. And they have really helped, e- helped each one of us understand a different perspective. And I thank God every day that we have a set of parents that allowed us to go through our trials and tribulations yeah. and get back to the point that where we're at today. Uh, I've met your parents, they're, they're wonderful people. Uh, they're very much like my parents. Uh, they were very disciplined. You know, I, I, I can tell you many stories where I got a, a, an ass whooping. Yeah. And that's what's wrong with America today. Children don't get an ass whooping. And I can't wait till the day I get a child so I can whoop his ass. Because I'm going to whoop his ass. Because kids need an ass whooping every now and then. They really do. I'm going to tell you, I could, I could talk back to my parents. I could do whatever I wanted to do. And if they was like, oh, you're going to get grounded or you're going to, I'm like, whatever. And yeah. when you gave me an ass whooping, I straightened up yeah. and I listened and I learned. And I'll deal with kids today. And I deal with this generation that's coming up today. And as a generation that I'm sorry, if we put the future of America in these people's hands, we are doomed, doomed, doomed. Damn. So thank God that me and Michael both came from a set of parents that instilled a set of values, principles, uh religion in in each one of our aspects michael uh has really turned me on to the religious aspect to that we had we had our moments of debate
1: yeah
0: uh but you know uh i've had things that happened in my life that i've come to the terms that the fact that you know how can i not be a believer in jesus christ uh if these things have happened to me and I'm a person of facts, and they think these facts have been presented to me, so how can I be a non believer? And I'm appreciative of that. And I think I thank God every day that uh, we've been able to meet each other, and our friendship has come to where it's at today. Um, but America is in a desperate, desperate. state right now, yeah. and it's going to take people like me and Michael, and you and everybody that listens to this podcast to get out there and not be afraid to voice your opinion. And stand up to the forces of evil. Because there are forces of evil amongst us. Do not
1: be afraid to be an American. Not be afraid. Do not be afraid to be an American. Do not be afraid to offend people. Do not be afraid to tell the truth. You can... And that's that's the word. That's Jesus. is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except me and that the the major force against the lies is the truth so if you can stand up as an American, be an American be stalwart and be the truth you will defeat the lie
0: that's true Um,
1: wow that's
0: very powerful I mean a lot of people have you know we're we're in a time right now. The 2020 election's coming up. We're going to ramp up these podcasts. We're hopefully going to go Facebook Live. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do some Twitter Live. So we hope that people will you know we'll build an audience. We're going to try to to report on some of these events that are going to take place because 2020 is really going to be a struggle uh, for the very soul of this country. Um, Donald Trump's election in 2016. Is a buffer. We we both said that we think that it 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 is a buffer for the for the battle of the soul. This country. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. My worry is not 2020 because it's lock, stock, and barrel. Donald Trump. If he does not get elected, I'll be shocked. My concern is 2024. I'm I'm concerned for 2024. I'm concerned for 2023. I'm concerned when Donald Trump is no longer eligible to be elected for president. What comes after Donald Trump? And the goal for me of this podcast and the goal for me of uh, not just 2016 but also 2020 and beyond is to fundamentally... um, I hate to use this word because it's such a dirty word, but fundamentally, I was going to say radicalize, but I'll say this, energize, energize Americans, real, true, red-blooded, patriotic Americans to get out, have a voice, and vote. Not just get out, have a voice, and vote, but get out, have a voice, vote, and be be a force in your community. Run for office. Campaign. Campaign for the next Republican or campaign for the next conservative uh, candidate that comes up in 2024. Because when Donald Trump leaves office, that is when the real battle begins. That is when the real battle for America begins. We think we're in a battle now, but we're not. I mean,. We have free speech rallies, and there's Antifa, and we go for the 4th of July, and there's military flyovers, and blah, 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 and Trump, this is what I say about Trump. Trump may be a liar, and all of these other things that people accuse him of, but I can say this, Trump is a patriotic American, and he loves America, and we have to be energized in 2024, not just 2020 by 2024, energized to find another patriotic American to take his place. And if this movement doesn't continue, we are going to socialism.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Michael's right. I mean, the, the battle is beyond Trump in 2020. Um, I don't want to get I don't want people to get complacent in 2020 and say we're gonna win this thing no, and not get out in, But we, we have you to have get to out to be,
1: you have to be active. you have to be energized now not only now, but you have to have foresight. right. You can't just rest on your laurels and say And I don't think oh, that we we, we we won in 2016 and it's a sure thing in 2020. No, you have to get out you right have We have get to
0: get out, out in the same forest and the same number with the same passion. That we got out in in twenty sixteen, and, and the I don't, I don't. Is still there. The passion is and still that's there. That's a crazy thing. That's
1: a crazy because thing. We we have been to Trump rallies. We were there on the Mall when over a million people were there on the Fourth of July. The passion for what Trump stands for and broadcasts is there.
0: There is no other sitting American president that draws a crowd Absolutely. that Donald Trump draws, and that is hopeful for twenty twenty. But you've got to keep that momentum going. You've got to get those people to get in line and get out to vote just as much as you did in 2016 as in 2020. But the real battle lies what happens after Trump. Be honest. Be honest. We've got to get Trump reelected, and then we've got to get organized for what happens after that. Because the, the logical, historical answer is that Mike Pence will run for president in 2024. And I'm going to here to tell you, the first. first and foremost, I am no Mike Pence fan. Mike Pence is the establishment. Lyndon Mike B. Johnson. Mike he is the Lyndon B. Johnson of our time. Mike Pence in no way I think encompasses everything that Trump stands for. If you elected Mike Pence today, Mike Pence would probably undo ninety five percent to ninety nine percent of what Trump has already done because he is the establishment. We've got to look beyond, and we got to find those candidates that those Trumpian candidates for after Trump. But we got to secure 2020 so that we can prepare ourselves for what happens beyond. Yeah. Um, I think that covers pretty much what we pretty we wanted yeah. to talk about today. We're planning some more podcasts in the future. Uh, once we get our act together, we're going to try to do some Facebook Lives, maybe some um, Periscopes or Twitter. Uh, live to try to engage a little bit more audience because we want you to be involved in the show we don't do, we don't just want it to be us talking uh, we also would like to in the future to maybe get some opposing viewpoints to to Skype in or talk to us or whatever but we can't do that unless people follow us and you gotta follow us on Twitter uh, that's at the or the if you're southern T H E uh, the Project underscore forty five. That's on Twitter, and we're also on Facebook at the Project forty five. Uh, be sure to like us on there. Be sure to share our page. Uh, get your friends to like our page. Get us a following together so that we can present our message uh, across America. And as like I said, once we get followers, once we start growing, once we establish this thing, uh, our goal is to get people. Uh, to interact with the program so it's not just a one-sided opinion. We love to talk to people with different opinions. We love to get people to call in uh, with different viewpoints. We'll have you call in and things like that. We got a lot of plans for this show. Uh, you know this is just our third or fourth podcast. so we're we're learning, we're growing. Uh, we're playing with technology uh, but we have a lot of fun doing this. Uh, I think a, a thing that we've decided that we want to really add, Uh, To the end of this show, it's not just a prayer for a nation, but just a prayer in general. Um, So I'm going to ask Michael if he'll lead the nation in just a prayer for, you know, the country, our president, and us moving forward. And and, in each uh, conclusion of our podcast, uh, we'll continue this tradition of just having a prayer uh, in general for whoever it may need or just for the nation. So, Michael, if you will.
1: All right. Well, I pray in the name of Jesus. So get ready. So Father God right now in the name of Jesus we come to you boldly and we thank you that we have the right in that name and by the blood of Jesus to come into your presence and we just pray for this great nation we pray for this great nation that was born on the blood of men and women who fought for freedom and who aspired for freedom they not only aspired for their own freedom but they aspired for the freedom of those who would come after them. They even bore a document in their names with the blood of men in the 18th century as they fought for the independence of this nation that they said all men are created equal. And we believe that today that in the name of Jesus and in the document it is said that all men are created equal and we pray for that today the equality of all men and we pray for the freedom of this nation we pray for the freedom of our government we pray that the congress and the senate and the white house and the judiciary we pray for it right now in the name of jesus that it would remain as the forefathers and the founding fathers had aspired for it to be. That we would remain the United States of America. That we would not be the open borders that the left wants us to be. That we would not be the socialist country that the left, or the Republicans for that matter, wants us to be. But we would be one nation under God, indivisible. We pray for that right now in the name of Jesus that you would move those people out of Congress, that you would move those people out of the Senate that want to destroy this nation, that you would expose them, and you would use Trump to do it. We plead the blood of Jesus and the blessing of God over President Trump right now in the name of Jesus. In the 2020 election, we ask you to guide him and to lead him and to give him strategy and campaign strategy. And what he needs to do to win and god beyond 2020 and into 2024 we ask you right now in the name of jesus to raise up and give us a candidate that we can all believe in that will lead this nation into freedom not socialism but freedom to maintain who we are in jesus name amen amen Wow!
0: What a powerful, woo! <laughs> that got me a little bit emotional, ladies and gentlemen. We're in, we're in a, a um, we're in a real struggle for the very soul of this country. That's not, that's not Project 45. That's not Michael. And that's not Jack talking. That's evident through the things that you see on the television, and that's evident on the things that you witness each day as you go out in America, as, you, as people get attacked for the hat that they wear, for the things that they say, for the beliefs that they have, whether they're right or they're wrong, the standing in America is that you have the right to believe in what you believe. Whether you're a... Uh, a liberal, or a conservative, a libertarian, a Nazi, or not a Nazi, a white supremacist, a Black Panther, whatever, you have that protection to believe in what you believe. And that the opposition has the right to put together an argument that counteracts your belief. And that the right belief, the just belief, the godly belief will prevail and that's what we're asking for today you don't have to agree with us you don't have to follow us you don't have to like us on twitter but we ask that you think independently we truly believe here at project 45 that this is a godly nation that this is a nation that has been blessed by jesus christ so that we have the ability to sit here today to talk to you, right or wrong, agree or disagree, that we can have a conversation without the fear of persecution, without the fear of death, without the fear that we will be silenced by those in power. And that's what we're asking for as America continues because a socialist nation is not a nation in which me and you can have this conversation on this microphone today. A socialist nation is a nation in which the elite, powerful, control the resources, they control the message, they control the airwaves, they control the news media, the internet. They control the internet that me and you use daily, that we take advantage of. They control the cell phone that's in your hand right now, the radio on your dial, and your car on your way to work. They have absolute control over that. That is something that we are fighting for today, so that you can agree, or you can agree to disagree. And that's what we're fighting for. It's not about whether you agree with us completely. It's the fact that you have the opportunity, when we're dead and gone, to say what you want to say. Michael gave a very powerful prayer. I hope one that, that sticks with this nation, that one that guides our president, that one that guides our listeners. Again, we ask that you follow us on Twitter. That's at TheProjectUnderscore45. You can follow us on Facebook. You can search Project 45. Um, we're going to try to do these podcasts each week. Uh, we are working people. So our schedules don't always align that we can do these each week, but we try to get on air so that we can do these. Uh, I want to thank each and every one of you that do tune in to listen for this hour, hour and a half, two hours. I know these things get long, but we get caught up in it. Um, I want to thank Michael for being here. I want to thank him for his friendship, for being a patriot alongside me, uh, for sharing the same viewpoints and the same interests, the same desire. For freedom, for patriotism in this country. We thank God for watching over us each and every day in our lives. We think that God gives us the wisdom to make decisions and as each one of us goes about our week uh, in our jobs, in our factories, in our offices, uh, law enforcement, military, firefighters and beyond. We ask that uh, He guide us, make us the wisdom that He gives us each and every day to make the right choices to follow through. Um, to preserve the patriotism, the freedom, and the liberty that we have been given. Um, Tune in next week. We'll talk about the topics of next week. Uh, Like I said, be sure to follow us. uh, Be sure to like us and be sure to share us because if we don't have you sharing, liking, and following us, uh, we can't spread our message throughout. Um, I'm Jack,
1: and this is Michael.
0: Michael. Um, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to hearing you and seeing you in the future as we do videos and live broadcasts. Yeah. Right? So, for that, we wish you a good week and a good afternoon.